0: Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. We've got a very special guest today, my mother. (laughs) Say hello. Hi. (laughs) And we're going to talk about my birth story today, and in particular, premature birth and pregnancies not going the way we sometimes plan. So, in a nutshell, I was born 29 weeks, or I was born at 29 weeks, 11 weeks early, weighing two pounds, two ounces. And um, we were actually reading from my mom's journal a little bit during that time in her life as we were driving down here to do this interview, so, let's just kind of start at the beginning. I just want you to tell your story of things not going the way you thought they would when you got pregnant. When did you find out something was wrong?
1: Um, I found out in the middle, about the middle of March. So, that was about a month before you were born. So, I made it that far.
0: But you were only what? So, you were only six, seven months along at that point? Six? Y-
1: yeah, about six months. Okay. In fact, I really—I was this skinny kid, and and when I went to the hospital the first time, they asked me why I was there, and I, I was like, well, because I'm going to have a baby, and they're like, well, you're not pregnant, and I said, yes, I am, and they were like, well, you don't look like you're pregnant, and I was like, well, I really am, I promise. And, yeah. But um, as we were just reading in my journal that I'd kept at that time, part of the I, I ended up with preeclampsia or toxemia, and. It Which w- is
0: essentially, is it, it's, high it's high blood pressure?
1: It's high blood pressure, Is protein in your urine, it's just, and, and it's crazy. It just, you feel horrible. And at that time, and I don't even know if today they know a, of a cure for that.
0: Or do they know what causes it? I don't
1: think they even know what causes it.
0: Not Some that women I'm, are just kind of predisposed to getting it?
1: Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. All I know is I got it and had no idea that that's... What was going to happen?
0: So you'd never even heard of it at that point? Um,
1: I'd heard of it. But again, it's one of those things somebody else has and you you don't really think about it. Um, We had just had a miscarriage not too long before we conceived you. And um, I I know I was worried thinking, oh, I'm not going to even tell anybody anything until we get to about four months. Sure. And so... When everything seemed to be going well, I thought, well, everything's good. We're, we're good to go. We could tell people. And so we were excited. And in fact, I remember I would bought my first maternity clothes the day I went to this doctor's appointment. They just had put out the Easter candy and I bought those little yellow uh, chicks, the little um, peeps. Uh-huh. And I was eating a, a little box of peeps when I went in there. And he saw me eating those and he didn't say anything to me. But after he realized that there was a problem, he said, you have to be on a low sodium diet. And those that, that so, candy no that peeps. you were eating when you came in, no more. He said, yeah. till you have this baby, I don't want to ever see you eating anything like that. And I was like, oh,
0: wow. Well, I and mean, when you're pregnant, you're usually just like, I'll eat whatever I want. Yeah, whatever totally. Sounds
1: good. And I think that was one of the hard things about this, too, was I had to go on a totally low sodium diet. Well, back in those days, we didn't have, this was like 1981, we didn't even have like Mrs. Dash and things like that that were like mm-hmm. salt substitutes, you just had to do without the salt. And that was probably my worst thing about being in the hospital was the food was so disgusting, you know, so you were there, I was there for quite a while, I think I, I was there three different times, and the first time I was there a couple of days And then about a week later, I was there another couple of days and I was probably home a week. And then I spent, I think I was just reading like 10 days or 12 days or something that that I was in the hospital before you were born.
0: So when they first discovered that you had toxemia or Mm preeclampsia, what was the prognosis at that point? They put you on a low sodium diet and then what? I mean, was it major panic at first or was it kind of like just follow this diet and get some rest. It was
1: kind of a little bit panic at first. I mean, when they told me I can't go to work and mm-hmm. I own my own business and, and to be honest, back back then, I mean, I was, I was probably making more money than my husband was making, yeah, you know, you're and a
0: newlywed young couple. So newlywed you're very couple, dependent upon that.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, when you're told you can't go to work and you don't even know how long, because this baby's not due for another three months, you think, Oh my gosh, how are we going to survive this? For and sure. and so it was a little bit devastating. Luckily, I did find a girl that that worked there, and 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 so she filled in and took my place, and it all worked out fine. But um,
0: so but, but kind of take us through step by step that you find out you have eclampsia Mm -hmm. they put you on a low sodium diet were you immediately in the hospital or they just put you on bed rest
1: no they put me on bed rest in fact we had a little trip planned to las vegas later that week this was on like a wednesday and Mm -hmm. i said oh we're planning a trip this weekend to go to vegas and we've already got a room and everything i said is there any way i can go and he said i'll let you go on this one trip but you've got to promise me you're really really careful and Mm -hmm. you just don't eat a lot of salty stuff. You, I'll let you go if you, you know. So we were like, "Oh yes, I remember." We had so much fun thinking, "Oh, this is kind of our last hurrah for a while." And you
0: felt okay at that point.
1: I felt fine. I felt really good. I didn't know there was any problem at all. I really right. didn't. That's was the, probably the hardest thing too, is you felt really good, and when they told you, you had to stay down
0: the whole time, it's like, "Well, I feel really good." And sure. So. So then um, you go back home. You're put on bed rest, mm-hmm. and then. How did it progress from there to where you ended up in the hospital?
1: Well, he even threatened me. He said, "I'm going to send my wife over to your house randomly (laughs) a couple of times a day, and if you if your house is clean, I'm going to know that you are not not doing what you're supposed to do." Yeah, and and I probably did cheat a little. I mean, I'm just kind of not the kind of person that can just let things go,
0: and so because bed rest essentially means if people aren't familiar with it, you can. I'm assuming you can shower, you can get up and go to the bathroom, right? But that's it. That's pretty much
1: it i mean i was down i mean um yeah i i really couldn't get in the car and go for a ride i couldn't i couldn't do anything just kind of hang out at home i did i'm sure i did get the car a little bit because i spent a lot of time at my mom's house during the day because there was nobody home and at least i could have somebody to visit with a little bit yeah and if
0: something went wrong you had somebody there so you're on bed rest at home and then how did you land back in the hospital
1: Again, I just had to go for another appointment and they realized and things worse. Were, were worse. Okay. And so rather to take any chances, he just put me back in the hospital again.
0: What was his goal? Um, was he like, let's get to this many weeks or what was he
1: Well, thinking? he kept saying, let's, let's try to get to like 35 weeks. So a, a fi- about five weeks early, he felt like we're safe. Mm-hmm. Everything will be good if we can get to that point. But at that point, I was probably still 10 weeks out or more, you know, more than yeah. that. And and just to think that we had to get that far, it just almost seemed impossible.
0: Did they talk about or make you aware of things that could go wrong with the baby? Or were they well, pretty naive? About, or did they just kind of leave that out?
1: They kind of left that out. I mean, they kept telling me really with the... The stress that was put on you from my high blood pressure and all that I was going through, you were developing really fast, and so they felt pretty good about that. They said, from some of the tests they did, they'd say they knew you were small, but they thought you were okay. They felt the things like were developing. Things were developing and things were good from what yeah. from the technology they had then. They didn't have a, a lot. I mean, even then, they couldn't tell you if you were having a boy or a girl. You Which know, it's
0: crazy because nowadays you have like. 3D images of your baby and all sorts of fancy stuff.
1: Yeah, and we didn't have any idea other than um, I think they said girls have a faster heart rate and yours mm-hmm. was faster. And they said they had a pretty good idea you were a girl, which they said was a really good thing because they said girls are stronger than boys for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, I thought. So, if you don't <laughs> mind, if you don't mind, would would you read a little bit from your journal? Just maybe. Sure. I think from What do you want from the 13th? Okay. Which was this was 6 days before I was born. I think it just gives a good sense of what you were emotionally going through. Yeah, and I'm sorry. Time. I do
1: get a little emotional when I read this cuz I hadn't read this for a long time. In fact, I didn't really know I had a copy of it that I had that I had written in this journal until just this last week and I found this and thought that I would come and share this with Carly so she kind of had an idea of what I was going through and what she went through and so this is the this is the 16th. So, so April 16th, three days before I was 1981. Born. Well, I'm still here at this good old hospital, and it was an old hospital. In <laughs> fact, to be honest, sometimes I would entertain myself with the cracks in the ceiling and try to make images Ugh. and faces out of them or different characters because I was so bored.
0: Hospitals <laughs> I mean... are super boring. I you sit there and watch the clock, and
1: well, and that was back when you had three channels on TV, yeah. and there just wasn't much to watch. And in fact, somebody asked me one time, "They says, what could I bring you?" And I always liked to cook, and I'd say, just Bring me a cookbook or something that I can read because I'm through. so bored. Yeah, But um, so here it says, uh, I'm still at this good old hospital. And my, my doctor was Dr. Bailey. It says he wants to keep me here for at least another five weeks. That five-week stuff sounds awful. Um, anyway, I, I talk about how much I miss my husband and... and how sad I am being there alone and and I, I mentioned earlier we had for some reason all of our family decided to take off and go out of town that week. I Which think is they, so
0: crazy. And well, left.
1: I think they real at that time they thought well she's going to be here forever and we don't know what we're in for then we might have to really help then. So they all went on vacation. Joel's sister went to Hawaii and she had a bunch of horses. Joel had they to left go. My
0: dad the responsibility of taking care of all of their animals and keeping yeah. up their homes.
1: Yeah, and seriously, that's so and, all day, and I, and I would look so forward to him coming to see me when he got off work, and he'd get there about ten minutes before. Back then, you had regular visiting hours, and and they'd make him leave because he, but he only could come for just a little oh. while. And I was so devastated that he had to leave; he couldn't stay. But um, it says yesterday morning and this evening, my blood pressure shot up to one seventy over one hundred twenty, wow. which I think that's pretty high. <laughs> um, and I guess that it says, and I guess that's pretty bad. Tonight, I wound up with a doozy of a headache, but it gradually dropped. They gave me some medicine, and it really helped. I talked about the nurses there and how, how good they were to me, and I know they felt so sorry for me having to be there, and they'd always say, we wish we could go sneak and go get you some food at McDonald's or something because your food <laughs> looks so bad, and Maybe it did. Couldn't. My food was so disgusting that I had to eat. Um, um, I, I talked about I. I look forward to the next five weeks going by and hoping that this baby will continue to grow and do well. Um, Talked about a best friend of ours that uh, had a baby on the 15th. And I remember being so jealous thinking, oh, and hers was full term. And I was just thinking, oh, I wish that was us. And we had our baby and everything was well, because everything turned out really good for them. And they had a full term, happy, healthy baby. And here we were stuck in the hospital and not knowing from day to day what was going to happen with us. Well, Um, and you
0: talked about at one point seeing other moms at the hospital that had oh, full yeah. babies and stuff, and just uh, oh, it thinking, was oh.
1: so hard to
0: because
1: they back then they put you in like um, rooms with other moms and stuff, and especially after I had you, they put me in a room with a mom that had twins, and it was just heartbreaking because those little twins were in the room the whole time, and here I was just without a baby, without my baby. I couldn't even hardly see my baby. In fact, mm. I was telling Carly. I had her on the nineteenth of April. It was, it says in here on the, at five fourteen p.m. and I did not even get to see Carly until Wednesday afternoon. And I remember I had been in the hospital for so long, and they wouldn't let me at, get out of bed. I was totally bedridden, and I remember him telling me that I could go see my baby that afternoon. And I said, "Please let me have a shower yeah. and, and wash my hair." And they thought that was so funny. They were like, oh my gosh, aren't you just more excited to go see your baby? I said, I am, but I don't want her to see me like this.
0: <laughs> I can relate. I remember being like, my toes have got to be painted and I want my hair dyed and everything. Yeah, and I, re- in fact,
1: this is really kind of silly, but I remember, um, sorry, <laughs> Okay. there was a, a shower in the hallway, just kind of a, I guess, just for patients, just out in the hall. And I remember getting in my wheelchair and wheeling myself across the hall to that shower and getting in there. I was so weak. Mm. And I just started shaking because I was so weak and I would hold on to the handle. But I wanted that shower so bad before I went to see my sweet little baby girl.
0: Anyway. I, uh, you know, I'm not a doctor by any means and i'm sure that they made the decisions that they felt were like the right decisions medically at that time but yeah. it's it's really hard to think that they kept us apart for three days because oh. i just think that well the it has day- had a lasting effect and it's just something that was
1: not well, right <laughs> like carly and i were talking in the other day we have Two, she has two little nephews and I have grandsons that were born at how early were they? Almost the same? Almost like, the same
0: time at 29, 30 weeks.
1: Yeah. And the littlest one
0: weighed one fourteen. Yeah, we always talk about how he beat me in the family. He was even yeah little than the me. Yeah, bit held the
1: record for so long in the of <laughs> Beater. But, you know, I little bit of a little guys and a little bit of a little bit of 30, 30 What years? I'm about thirty. About thirty. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, 30, so, about thirty years apart. So thirty years difference. Yeah. I mean, they treat those little preemies so different now. I mean, they immediately put them on their mom, so they're against her chest, and they get skin on skin, and they encourage them to be with them all the time, and as much as they possibly can. And back then, they really didn't want us to. And they let me hold Carly a little bit, but they almost were were discouraging about it they'd say no it takes her so much energy just to take her out of the incubator and, and hold her
0: what was it like i mean did they essentially just what was it like for me what did they
1: oh what was carly, the setup? carly was in a in an incubator and she was the wiggliest little baby in the whole world she has so much energy <laughs> we just knew she was such a fighter because That's my personality they had to pin her by her diapers and that to the incubator pad thing to keep her from moving because they would put her in there and get her all set up. And before they knew it, she had wiggled all the way to the bottom and was all crunched down at the bottom. So they started pinning her in there so that she wouldn't move. But she, Carly did really well. She was, um, she was on oxygen just the first 24 hours. So her lungs were really well-developed, which was such a blessing because at that early, that doesn't usually happen. Usually those babies are on oxygen for a long time. And they told us how, how dangerous the oxygen was and, and how blessed we were that she only had to have just a very small percentage and just for like 24 hours. It can affect eyesight, right? And some yeah. Other things. Yeah. Okay. That was the main thing, I think, was the, was the vision and that. But um, she was hooked up to a lot of little machines and you would hear things going off and it'd scare you to death thinking, Oh my gosh, what's happening. And, and, you know, but, but she did great. She did really well. We had a couple of things that scared us and then it seemed like everything always cleared up and it was fine. And she basically just needed to grow. And she was, she was born at the university of Utah medical center. And when she was two weeks old, we, we lived in, in uh, Utah County, (laughs) And it was kind of a long drive every day. We'd go up every, I, I, we went every single day to Salt Lake to see her. And usually I went twice. I'd go in the morning with my mom and go up and spend the whole morning with her. And then we'd come home. And when when my husband would get home, we'd get in the car and take off and go up there. We ate dinner at the hospital almost yeah. every single night. And we'd sp- stay there till they made us leave.
0: Not the way you thought it would be.
1: <laughs> no, but you know what? Looking back, it could have been a whole lot worse. You know, it, everything turned out good, and it was all right. It, it it really was, and it made us really stop and think how, how blessed we were. I mean, we could have been. In, I mean, we even think about, we were just, you know, we hadn't been married long, and we hadn't been married two years, and we think about, we had the thought of, health insurance really hadn't crossed our minds.
0: So you, you did or you did not have health insurance?
1: Luckily, we did through my husband's work, but it was, it was part of his his work. We didn't we never checked on that. Nobody yeah. ever told us we really had insurance. This we didn't was kind of coincidental. Did. Yeah. And so luckily we did because even what we did have to pay set us back for quite a while because we did have to pay a percentage of it. But I think back now, I mean, what the costs are now compared to what they were then, you know, it, it was, could
0: just financially ruin you. If you oh,
1: have Oh, yeah. I mean, insurance. and neither of our families had the kind of money that we'd been able to help. They'd been able to help us with that, you know. So, but it all worked out good, you know. It yeah. was, it was, it was all right.
0: What were some of the situations you saw? Because when you were in the hospital, there were, or in the NICU, mm-hmm. you saw other families that weren't as fortunate. What oh, were yeah. there? We issues? did. We,
1: we saw other babies. There was one baby that um, his mother was a, had uh, gestational diabetes and this baby was born very, very large. So here you had tiny Carly right next <laughs> to this absolutely huge baby. I think he weighed 12 or 13 pounds oh. and it was so sad, and that poor little baby ended up passing away. But it was so hard for us because we got to know those people. You'd see them every day mm-hmm. when you'd go, and and as parents, we'd all kind of talk to each other, and we all got to know each other's situations and, their, and each other's babies, and and we're always cheering each other on. And so, you know, when you had things like that come up, it was hard. It was really
0: hard. They didn't get that happy ending. No, they didn't. And I'm sure they looked at you like you looked at the moms with the full-term
1: Healthy right. babies. Yeah, you know, they
0: would have given anything. I'm sure, even if it wasn't perfect. I'm sure, I'm sure. Did you have anything else that you wanted to wrap up in um, your journal about that experience? Um, we
1: just it talks every day for a while here about about how much Carly would gain. I know a lot of days they would we would call every morning and and they'd give us a an update on what she'd gained, and she would gain like a gram, and we'd be like well, how much is a gram? And they'd say, about the weight of a nickel. And we'd be like, the weight of a nickel? And they'd say, no, that's really good. That's really good that she's gaining that much. And we'd be like, okay. And so we'd be so excited when we call, and sometimes they'd say, oh, she's gained five grams. Yeah. And when Carly was two weeks old, um, she was life to Utah Valley Hospital, and she spent five and a half weeks there Uh she got to where she would take a bottle and was eating on her own. And I remember just begging them at, uh, when she got to about four and a half pounds, I said, Oh, can we please take her home? And they said, Oh, it's kind of hospital policy that that we don't make the babies weigh four or five pounds before we let them go home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, I remember just begging and begging saying, Oh, she's healthy. And she's you know, and, uh, anyway, they talked it over and they let us bring her home. One of the surprising things was I got, I found a picture the other day of the day we brought her home from the hospital. Again, 1981. Mm-hmm. Uh, car seats are not.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, you just had me like on your
1: lap. <laughs> I, I held you in my arms all the way home from the hospital. and. You know, we didn't have to. They didn't yeah. require car seats. We didn't. I mean, now you don't leave the hospital not being in a car seat. Oh,
0: absolutely not. And but, not only that, but a car seat that is up to current regulations right, by the year. Right. All of that stuff.
1: But you know, it's funny. We all survived, and and yeah. you know, it was good. Time but has changed. But you know, it's. I mean, we had our challenges. I felt like, you know, we've talked about this so many times, and I think it was really hard on Carly. I feel like she didn't get to bond with us like other babies get to bond with their parents. I mean,
0: being being in an incubator attached to tubes and wires is that's not a normal experience for the mother or the baby. And I think, you know, I've I've done a fair amount of research on um, post-traumatic stress disorder and, and people that are in the NICU. And it often talks about that effect on, mothers Mm -hmm. and mothers experiencing that trauma, which hearing your story, you can totally see how that happens. That's obviously can be a very traumatic experience. And I don't know if you feel like you experienced that at all. Did you have anxiety with your other pregnancies? Like, Oh, this might happen again or not so Um, much. Sure.
1: I mean, I I remember with my, with our second baby, I did right at the end. I started getting that again, but luckily Mm -hmm. it was right at the end and I I didn't have the problems. I mean, my blood pressure started getting high again and started dealing with the same thing, but it was so close to her birthday anyway that it was like, it's, it's okay. they, They felt okay. And really with my third baby, I didn't, I didn't really have any problem at all.
0: Yeah. and So on the opposite end, coming from the perspective of the baby, like I don't have a lot of, you know, medical research to back this up, but I know that, You know, when I was in my 30s, I went to a therapist and she said, you have PTSD. (laughs) And I couldn't figure out where that came from necessarily because I hadn't been abused as a child. Um, I hadn't gone through anything that was obviously traumatic. But when I thought back and as we discussed my birth story... I thought, well, that's obviously very traumatic on oh. a child. And I don't think that it should be discounted that just because, you know, you don't have memories per se right. from that time in your life, that it's not leaving impressions on that yeah. baby's brain.
1: Well, I'm grateful that today that they've changed all that. You know, yeah, that's why I the see with our grandsons what a huge difference that made. I don't think they ever felt that because no. they, they were right there with their mom and their dad. They yeah. encouraged their dad to do skin on skin with them all the time too, you know? Sure. And so I think they they felt that connection from from right at the very, very beginning. Yeah. Where with us... That didn't happen, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a long time. You figure, even just the three days of not seeing you at all, and then to go seven and a half weeks of you being in a hospital. And sure, we were there, all oh, we could be there, but you still but weren't there, like the like, normal like normal. a normal, like a normal, happy, healthy a baby. Newborn, you're holding situation. that newborn
0: all the time. Yeah, snuggling them up
1: in a blanket. Oh, I know, and you just realize you all know? that was lost then. So you much. Know? Yeah.
0: Yep. yep. Um, in talking about this. Once you brought me home, mm-hmm. you've mentioned that almost from the get-go, you felt like I was super fussy.
1: Yeah, I was just reading it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, th- I think I did kind of notice that I, I tended a lot. I'm the oldest of, of four sisters, so I have three three younger sisters. Mm-hmm. And, and I just felt like Carly was kind of angry kind of an angry yeah. baby you know and and we just had a hard shoot. No, I shouldn't say maybe angry but just really fussy and really not content and it was really hard to to make her happy I felt like you know and I I it was it was frustrating for us and we'd take her to the doctor and we'd say we'd mention our concerns and he would say no, nope, she's just totally fine she's just happy and healthy and doing yeah. great she's okay don't worry about it but I think we always felt there was something lacking there, you know,
0: mm-hmm. and and I think it probably is just that we miss that, that bonding right yep, from the very that beginning. connection. Yep. Absolutely. And I know, um, speaking with moms that have adopted babies that oftentimes there can be that attachment piece too that leads to behavior problems down the road because they just didn't have that initial attachment with their mother. Mm-hmm. And then maybe even with their biological mother, there was, I mean, potentially sometimes there's neglect or there's issues there. So it just can have super lasting impacts on a child, you know, well, they don't even understand why or what they don't even understand their own emotions or what's going on or why they feel the way they do.
1: And I know that even, you know. We didn't have a lot of money and a lot of resources then. I mean, yeah. we did what we could do. We did, we did seek out a couple of other doctors to help give us some help and, mm-hmm. and see if they had another perspective on this that they could help us out. Um, and nobody really seemed to have a whole lot of answers for us. Um, they would say things like, well, maybe she was abused or that. And we're like, we know for a fact. She was not abused. She was never mm-hmm. left with anybody other than a grandparent. I mean, this was like early on and never left with anybody but a grandparent or with us, you know. And so I think they were just trying to figure out what, what it could possibly be and, and not it, them not understanding or realizing sure. that a lot of it probably did just stem from from not being able to connect from the very yeah. beginning.
0: Well, that and then also one thing that I've learned about PTSD is that something that's traumatic for a child may not seem traumatic to an adult. So, for example, um, my son Boston had an experience at school where one day he was slow doing his work. And because he didn't finish his project, they kept him in from recess. And that was so traumatizing on him that he was the only one that was kept in from recess Mm -hmm. that he started rushing through his work and not doing good quality work. Because for him, that was a traumatic event. yeah, And it's not, you know, a large enough traumatic event that it's going to have like a lasting impact right. throughout his life because we were able to talk through it. Look, that's not mm-hmm. going to happen again. Mm-hmm. You just need to slow down, think yeah. things through and do your work. But it was eye opening to me that, oh, just because it's not traumatic for me as his mother or as an adult, it can still be very traumatic to the child and there it's all about their perspective on things.
1: Well, I think we could have been more understanding that way too. You know, I
0: think, I think as time has progressed, people just understand more. Yeah. And so I think, I think when I was little, um, I probably started out very fussy. I think I definitely had some initial trauma that started everything. But then I think event after event of, me getting in trouble because i was acting up mm-hmm. would become another traumatic event that would yeah. build and build and build and yeah. build yeah um for people that are not familiar with ptsd or what a ptsd episode looks like it is literally like a switch goes off in your brain mm-hmm. so i threw huge fits like my entire upbringing very like abnormal dramatic huge fits and i would always think I would always think as a little girl, like, I am not trying to be bad. I did not want to make anyone upset. If anything, I wanted the exact opposite. Like, I wanted so badly to please my parents and so badly to just please society. I wanted to have friends. I wanted people to like me. But there would be certain triggers that if someone said something, um, sometimes in a certain tone or certain words, or certain, just certain things would trigger the PTSD in me, and it was like a switch would go off, and there was no rational thinking Yeah. until that episode was over. <laughs> Zero. And it wasn't even, I've learned since then, it was not something I had control over. There was nothing that I could have done as a child. I, I mean, now as an adult, like, I still suffer with PTSD, and I can process through it a lot better, and I can, I can you know, work my way through it and I can, I still struggle, but I can say like, okay, I know what that is. I know what's happening right now. And I can, I can work my way through it. But as a child, you, you have no idea. And I'm sure as a parent, like you have no idea what's going on. Well, and PTSD, I mean,
1: that wasn't a term that was even used then.
0: I'm sure people, if anything, maybe for um, people that were serving in the war. Yeah. Or
1: something like but, that. Yeah. but never, you know, in this no. situation and, you know, it was just, it was a diff- it was just difficult for us it was above anything we yeah. knew how to deal with it really yeah. was and we s- tried to seek help but i never felt like we really got the help that we needed yeah. and the thing with Carly was it wasn't she was a wonderful little girl i mean she was but we would have these tantrums that would just be absolutely devastating but the thing mm-hmm. was once it was over and life went back to normal you forgot about it you didn't even yeah. think about it and then there might be something a month later that would set her off again, you know, and you'd be mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, I forgot how bad this is. Yeah. And we would go to doctors and try to talk about it. But honestly, once it was a past, you couldn't remember. We neither one of, of us could remember how bad it was. I think when it you- had uh,
0: maybe even more lasting impacts on me. I remember. I knew how bad it was. Mm-hmm. And I, even though like some of it would be foggy. Um, and it felt like a lot of, chaos in mm-hmm. my brain and what was going on around me um, I would go to school and I would know that I was different from other kids I yeah. knew that things like that didn't happen in mm-hmm. for other kids at home
1: well and we realized that too that's why we kept saying I yeah. know other children don't act like this this doesn't happen to everybody and it's not like the temper tantrum in the grocery store where you don't no. get the the new book or something on the way out, or the toy mm-hmm. there, the candy that you wanted. It's not that kind of a tantrum. It is an unbelievable tantrum mm-hmm. that you're just, you cannot imagine how bad. But and for then, the
0: person that's going through it, it's like a fire alarm yeah, going off in right. your brain. And you just, unless you've experienced it, you don't understand. Yeah. But well, you have the, no control. I'm the sure. second that I described it to my therapist, she said, You have PTSD. Mm hmm. And um, we've worked through a lot of a lot of my PTSD, but there are still certain things um, like I said, a certain tone sometimes if people will just the way they'll get mad at me or something mm-hmm. I, I can't handle it like I'll immediately start crying or I'll, you know in yeah. kind of a dramatic way because yeah. I just it's it's just traumatizing yeah. and that's a lot to yeah. to work through. So I think that that is one thing that I would like to create a lot of awareness with that, can happen from from babies being in the NICU especially prior to them gaining all this knowledge right. that they need to have a connection with their mother children
1: that are your age and and, and older. older and that right. that have dealt with this and wondered what the mystery was why mm-hmm. you know why did my child act like this i think i think that is yeah. probably the key
0: right there i think it's huge um what would you say to another mother that is currently going through something like you went through
1: just to hang in there, just keep loving them. You know, it, it all works out. I think of how far Carly's come. I mean, you know, all of us, we've all learned a lot through this experience. And
0: sometimes I think we could continue and learn a lot more, but I think we will. And I think too, you know, um, without <clears throat> sugarcoating it, we've had a difficult relationship mm-hmm. and that's not to say that I don't, I think sometimes you've misinterpreted that I don't look up to you or I don't want to be like you or I don't. And that couldn't be further from the truth. It's just like I said that, that weird, not typical bonding stuff, but that doesn't mean that it can't change. Right. And that we can't continue to work on it. And And I I think in some ways we have grown.
1: And I, like I say, I would just don't give up. I mean, just keep, keep a loving, open relationship and it works out. I mean, I just think of how far it's all come over the last thirty eight years from, from what it right. was. And you know, as as bad of as an experience as it was, it it's ended up being a good experience. There's a lot of good that's come out of it and
0: when you say that, like what would you say you've gained from all of it? Well, I don't know. I mean I, I know
1: we've you know, I feel like Patience, probably. I, I've worked. With, <laughs> I, I have. I mean, it's funny because I mean, car. I don't think Carney thinks I'm very patient, and didn't, and didn't think of that as I, you know, was raising her that I, you know, because you did. You kind of would get to where you'd lose your temper. I mean, you know, the other kids didn't do that, and she would, and it was sometimes yeah. it would just. It was hard. It was hard to to have the patience that you needed, but I know um, over the last over twenty years, I've worked with kids with special needs, and oh, my gosh, you've had to learn patience. And, and they'll always say to me, how come you're so patient with these kids? And I think, oh, I've had a lot of experience <laughs> with this, you know, kids throwing tantrums and biting and kicking you and throwing fits. And and so, I, you know, that's been one thing. But, oh, I think we've just learned to be more accepting and try to – this.
0: I don't know. Just just love your kids no matter what. And Mm -hmm. I have a very firm belief that there is no such thing as a bad child. I just don't think that people are born.
1: I totally believe that. I hear people like at school say a child's bad and I don't believe any child is bad. Mm -hmm. They may have had some bad influences in their lives that have caused them to make some poor choices or that. But they're not bad.
0: Well, sometimes it's bad. nurture and sometimes it's nature. Like sometimes there's just things, things that, that happen but. happen that may cause behavioral issues right. or whatever.
1: But when you get to really know that child and get to, you know, you realize that they're, they're not bad. They're probably how you were when you were little. You, they just don't have a control over that. It's yeah. not that they don't want to. They just don't, you know. And so. Mm-hmm. I
0: yeah, I, I want kids that if there's a kid that happens to listen to this or even an adult that felt like they were a bad kid growing up. I just hope they know that, that they're not, that they, that they didn't have that choice, that their brains weren't developed to a point where they could process things. Um, Like I
1: say, I just look at where Carly's come from. I mean, I'm glad she's got this, uh, been able to seek some help that has been able to help her identify what, what's been going on all these years and I think it's it's been really good I've seen I've seen a lot of growth in Cardi over the last few years I think it's because she's finally kind of put an end to it and figured out exactly what it is and how to deal with it better and and yeah I hope other people if they're dealing with this kind of issue can get the help they need and and get on with their lives and not have to suffer their whole life with this.
0: I would imagine it's something you know and we've really kind of trailed off from the whole NICU thing, and yet it all kind of ties together. But I think it's one of those issues that is often hidden. I don't think that people looked at our family and looked at the aftermath of having a premature child, and even probably most people didn't even know what was going on inside or that there were lasting effects from we were really
1: private people too i mean we kept our problems to ourselves most people
0: i think even today even with social media they put their best face forward. this is what we want everyone to see and so this is what we're going to put out there yeah but they have no idea what those people what people are struggling with on the inside
1: and and sometimes we couldn't hide it sometimes it came out and and it was hard to explain to people you know, they they would look at us like, "What's going you on?" You know, parents too. <laughs> yeah, what's going on here? You know, and and it was hard, and and having to accept that, hey, yeah, we've got issues, and you know, we really did need help with it because it was just way above anything we knew how to really deal with. But
0: yeah.
1: but through time and and through a lot of other things. Things have improved. I think a whole bunch in in all areas of this. I, yeah. I'm happier now that, like our little preemie grandsons, they didn't have that same experience. I think that was my biggest worry. I think when I knew she was going to have these babies early, that that they would deal with the same kind of issues, and it just nothing about it was the same.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, what would you say? Because we kind of addressed, you know, what what to say to parents that are going through a child that has behavioral issues or PTSD. But what about um, that mom that just found out she's going to have the baby today and it's not time or it's 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 not the way she thought her pregnancy was going to go? Just
1: have faith. It's okay. It's all going to be good. It really is. I mean, in the end, it's all going to be just fine. And, you know, sure, it's scary. It is scary. And you don't know what what to think. And but I just think we have to hold on and and have faith and sometimes just put it. In Heavenly Father's hands, just let Mm -hmm. it go and say, I'm doing the very best I can here. I need your help, and let it go. I always figured that child's my child, but it's his also.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. um, You're welcome. Your pregnancy not going the way you planned, and your parenthood not (laughs) going the way that you planned. But
1: you know what we've talked about, too? Most things in life don't turn out exactly the way we have planned, and and we have to learn to adapt and make the best of what comes our way. and And sure, it would be great if if everything did turn out good, and we all had these wonderful experiences. And sometimes we do, but sometimes we're, we're thrown some sad and scary hard things in our life that we have to deal with then.
0: Well, and those are the experiences really when we look back, that's how we grow and that's how we become. That's right. If the every- people that we really want to be at the yep. end of the day. I agree. Because I know there is no way, including stuff that I went through in my childhood, as much as I, I'm i like, oh, I wish that was different. <laughs> and yeah, I had this right. like happy-go-lucky childhood. There's no way that I would be who I am today without those challenges. Yep. And I'm sure Further challenges I'll have in my life will lead to me being who I am at Correct. the end. Correct. Yep. I agree. You know, um, I, I learned so much through being that little girl. I, I'm way more understanding with my kids when they get upset or they have yeah. big emotions mm-hmm. because I was that kid that had right. big emotions. And I've so. watched you
1: with your kids and I'm happy that you are able to deal with that far better than we did. You know, so
0: And I make other mistakes, and that's just well, kind of the that's, way that's, we all it do. all works. We all, we all make mistakes.
1: None of us are perfect. We're always learning and growing right. and trying to do the best we can. So,
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Mom. I love you. Love you, too. Thanks, Car. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com, as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.